may as well self-harm at home and come in only if she's going to suicide. Is that a quote? That's a quote. That's what I'm reading. I'm she, reading. She may as well self-harm at home. At home. And then come in when she's about to commit suicide. Children are in the situation where they haven't seen their friends for months. They're having their... The, one of the important things about schools is learning social skills. Those social skills are being interrupted. Many students are struggling with their learning. Um, we have, uh, I've heard of many cases of self-harm and maybe you can elaborate. The government has made a moral calculation here to sacrifice the well-being of our children in order to prevent, you know, the spread of this pandemic. I want to know, you know, what are the calculations of the long-term harms that the government has taken to justify this? And at what point will you challenge the CHO and say maybe the harms of what you're doing outweigh the good? Uh, thanks, Mr. Limbrick. There's there's a number of things that you raised um, in in your question, and and these are these are important matters. You know, I'm a uh, I'm a father of three school-aged children, and and I see it in my own kids. You know, there are there are there are good days and bad days, and these are decisions that we have made based on expert health advice, uh, both from the Victorian Chief Health Officer uh, and through the AHPPC at a national cabinet level. Um, every decision that I've made, every implementation that we've made um, at a school level um, uh, have, have been made based on expert health advice. And have you challenged any of that advice? Well, well Mr Limbrick, it's, it's not a case of, um, of challenging the advice. We're talking about the biggest health crisis that we have faced in 100 years. And we've got to make these sacrifices, and I, and I understand the impact that this is having. Um, I mean, I'm, well, you know, you, you talk about, you know, we have to make these sacrifices. It's possible that you're creating a, a generation of children with psychological damage. I mean, this is, it's outrageous what the government is doing here. I mean, where is the calculation of the long-term harms that you believe will be happening to the children and where is the justification of that you say you've got this expert advice show us the data like where's the long-term harms that you've calculated that you think are worth it here so it's mid 2021 and we're in the midst of what a global pandemic shall we say i think there's probably an even bigger issue mental health it's starting to come up uh, on the radar of people around the world now but here in victoria at least there seems to be a strange let's say, ignorance towards what we're doing to our children. So today, two special guests joining me, David Limbrick, MP for the Liberal Democratic Party, uh, and Dr. Carolyn Bossack. Hi. A GP from here in Melbourne who sees a lot of these very children. So I'm very interested to hear about what you're seeing on the front lines. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, that video we just watched, uh, you've been on the case of mental health harms to children for that was from that was from eight what's that august last year mm. this is not a new th this is not a can i just point out you have effectively become the minister for mental health mm. Mm. <laughs> tell <laughs> I me heard that before tell me another minister who's getting up and advocating for the mental health of our citizens and especially our children over the past 12 months no one in labor party is doing it look i mean there's a lot of people talking about mental health but um I think the thing that I've been concerned about right from the start is what are the effects of lockdown and taking children out of school mm. over the long term. And, you know, I've been getting lots of 
calls to my office. And we've been seeing evidence presented to the inquiry that I was on last year about um, harms to children. And it's seems to be getting worse and worse. I mean, August last year, it's you know, a long time ago, right? Mm. And we were concerned about it then. But what we're seeing now is just, I've never witnessed anything like it. I'm, I'm getting contacted by um, uh, lots of medical pro professionals, such as Carolyn, um, but also um, I've been contacted by optometrists. I've been contacted by countless numbers of, of parents who are concerned about this. And I think the questions that I asked back then in PAYAC still stand now are the harms of the government actions that they're taking by taking the kids out of school uh, worth it? I mean, and I'm not convinced of that. I, I, I think that there's many people that questioned it then. I questioned it then. I think there's many people that are questioning it now. And now that we're seeing these effects after, you know, 18 months of this now, on and off lockdowns, um, it's it's just breaking so many families and, and, and children. It's it's It's... It's horrific. I mean, you know, it's, it's the optometrist that contacted me the other day, he was worried about um, children getting uh, myop myopic vision because they're looking screens. at screens so oh, much. Okay. Um, you know, uh, people about mental health issues, of course, like, you know, self-harm, but not just self-harm. Some kids um, uh, isolating and, and becoming, you know, like in, in Japan, they have the, the hikikomori, you might have heard of it, you know, the children that sit in their room all the time and oh, never do anything. Okay. Um uh, you know, people just like shutting themselves off from the world. I've, I've had a story relayed to me, a, a terrible, terrible story, a child that w um, suffered um, autism spectrum disorder yeah. and they were, you know, being looked after by their parents at home and when lockdown ended and they went out to the park, when they came into proximity of another child, they started screaming because they were terrified of okay. coming into contact with other children and this is just like a tiny, tiny slice of of the harms that we're seeing. And I, I'm really concerned that um, the long-term damage here that we're seeing to children is is horrific. And and not only the mental harms, but also like physical harms of locking children inside for so long. I was shocked, you know, my kids love going to the pool, right? And we were finally allowed to go to the pool last summer when they opened up in between one of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And I looked around at the pool and there's so many overweight kids. Like, right. and I'm just like, I don't recall things being like this. Like, and you know, the kids aren't oh, doing the exercise. Oh, yeah. You know I, I mean, just, they I... normally run around at lunchtime with their mates. They go to, they go to the sports. They they go to their mates' place on the weekend. They're not doing any of that. All they're doing is sitting at home. They they go out for a couple of hours a day. Um, a lot of the, you know, my kids do karate. Yeah. Um, you know, they were trying to do that from home and stuff, but the kids sort of lose interest after a while with that sort of thing. But you know, lots of other people do dancing and footy and all these other things. It all just gets cancelled. And okay, and so you've been a bit of a lightning rod with people who seem to be emailing you uh, with their concerns. That's why I called you the Minister for Mental Health. <laughs> because we're about to hear from Carolyn about the things she's seeing on the front line. But just mm. before we do that, I want to find out, are you, are you highlighting like one or two bad cases or are you seeing a lot? Is what we're about to hear representative of a larger group? Look, I don't know. I only see what gets presented to me. What I'm really concerned about is like, is this a tiny slice of what's actually going on out there? Because it probably is. Well, um, how many are you getting? Have you got like two or three mums crying or have you got more? Hundreds. 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 We get like hundreds and hundreds of people contacting. Like if we do a, a social media post about it, like mums will be commenting like you know in endless streams about their own personal experiences and stuff really? and people have been sending us stories and you know, I mean, 
it's mostly mums that are that are upset about this because you know they worry about their children, of course. Okay. And um, this is disturbing. Yeah, it's disturbing. But like, how big is the problem? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I look at the numbers that are put into these inquiries about you know calls to to mental health lines and and, and you know all these statistics about um, you know. Uh, prescription of antidepressants and all this yeah. sort of thing going yeah. up and and like you know I'm, I'm not on the front lines of the of the of the medical Caroline side of is. things but Carolyn certainly is and um what's, you know what's going yeah. on the front line what are we well I started noticing last year so I'm a GP I see mostly women and children anyway okay and uh so last year um with lockdowns I started seeing more of a problem with kids and mental health issues and and so then requiring to um, place them into um, mental health services and it was for, for a system that was already almost at capacity it became a lot harder um, so I'd say on an average to be able to get a child um, uh, assistance with the psychologist the wait would be three months at least three months three months wow and if you um, and you you know if you if you want to get help sooner it would take a hell of a lot of phone calls um, so a lot of uh, a lot of um, um, uh, you know, effort um, on my part and of the parents' part. So I had had a mum recently tell me that she had to actually make twenty phone calls only to get an appointment, a cancellation appointment, in eight weeks. Okay, my uneducated brain says that's too long. If I have a mental health issue right now, correct. We're, we're talking about suicide, ideation, this kind of stuff, right? Not yeah. So it. there's a, there's a spectrum. So. Um, there's a spectrum. So sometimes kids are, are down, they're anxious, and, and and the issue for me as well is that these kids that I'm seeing are much younger now. So I've, I've ne never actually um, seen the amount of despairing young children, so under 10, under 12. Mm. Um, and it so much so, and that's it's only escalated this year, so much so that I approached um, an MP um, about the issue, um, about the self-harm that I was seeing and the mental health issues and the wait times and the fact that I, I feel powerless and I'm, I'm trying my best. And my this is not an isolated situation because I know other doctors are dealing with the same thing. And, um, and he said he was aware of the issue and, um, and you know, and, and things are just c continuing to get worse. So, so what should, so is the, ideally if you have a problem, I ring up my 10-year-old's got an issue. I would have thought within the week I would have been able to hold on for a few days and then get them in to see someone. That would be ideal, I guess. It would be ideal, but, uh, but no. So um, I, I had another doctor tell me that similarly, so I, I work three different jobs and in between I'm often calling around trying to find appointments for kids and she said exactly the same thing. She said her her personal time has, has become trying to find services um, for, for children at risk. What about private? If I was wealthy, can I just, is that wait list a lot shorter? This is, this is both. So this is, um, this is private and public. So public is, is you, you almost have to talk a patient out of, of um, the public system because uh, the wait times are extraordinary. So, um, so pub, private is pretty much what we're talking about. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I can't say, look, I'll pay $500. I want to see someone this week. No. So the, the phone calls I was talking about, the, the, the 20 phone calls, that's yeah. to private psychologists. Unbelievable. Yeah. So um, I suppose the other thing to say is that, uh, is that a teacher patient of mine says that, um, that and I'm sure the, the situation is not isolated, that uh, they rotate through a suicide watch post at school. What does that mean? What do you mean? Uh, so there are kids have been flagged as being suicidal, and uh, teachers have to 
um, they're, they're, they're put on rotation to actually watch these kids. During the day? During the day. As in there's a suicide risk in at school? Well, there's a suicide risk that's been flagged and... Um, no, and but what are, what are you going to do? You're going to do something to yourself at school? Well, I, I don't know how it works, but she, she did say to me, she, she, was, she came to me for a certificate um, because she was struggling mentally and, um, and that's what she told me. Okay. So it's really good to hear a bit of what's going on in the front line. I mean, you were telling me about a case of a woman you're dealing with now with a child she just cannot get help for. Yes, so, and that's how um, we came into contact last Thursday. So um, I've been seeing a patient, uh, she's um, a teen and with her mother, um, probably for the last couple of months, um, she's been struggling, self-harming, um, suicidal thoughts, and have been unable to access uh, any um, specific care for her. So we've, we've, you know, I've given her a lot of uh, numbers to call. Um, she's on waiting lists and... Um, it was uh, last early last week that um, they came, I reviewed her. She asked her mum to leave the room and um, she said, I can't hang on any longer. And so I said to her, you realise that um, I, ha I do have to break confidentiality because uh, you're, you're, uh, you're at risk here, your safety's at risk. And she understood that. So I brought mum back into the room and I said, because we've been unable to access specific care, yeah. I, said, I gave her a letter and I said, um, you need to go to the hospital. So, so before we go further in her story, why can't you... What is the thing that's rattling our young people right now? Um, so, so lockdown, lockdown uh, equals social isolation. So, so it's isolation that's doing it's it. Isolation. So they don't get... Um, so apart from the fact that they don't get a, a, an optimal education, sure. um, they're, they're away from their friends. They can't see their friends in, in private time either. Um, they can't get sunlight. They can't get their normal exercise and recreation. Um, so it's on, on across the board, lockdown is, is restricting our children's um, well-being. So this harm that you're seeing on the front lines is coming from lockdown is what we're well, saying? Well, you would, you would assume. Um, so the, the, the Kids Helpline data that you were alluding to before, so that report came out uh, for stats from uh, December to May um, for this year. And um, so overall calls have gone up 99%. And if you look at um, New South Wales compared to Victoria, yeah. so um, Victoria's um, increase in, in deployment of either police, ambulance or, or child protection officers um, has gone up 184% compared to 40% um, in New South Wales. And that's in line with time spent in lockdown, pretty much. Okay, the longer you're in lockdown, the higher these stats go. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the stats from it. Uh, because remember last year when people were saying suicides are definitely going to go up and then the age and others came out and said, nope, see, we've got stats now, suicides have not gone up, they're the same. Well, um, so if you actually look at um, data for suicide, you can't actually access any data um, that uh, um, since 2019. So there is a backlog in the system. There's a delay. There's a delay How in long? the system. Uh, so, so 2019, so it's two probably years. about two years. Up to two okay. um, And that's an issue, yeah. The, the, the inquiry that I was on last year yeah. um, did conclude that, that suicides hadn't uh, yeah. gone up. Yeah. But one thing that was uh, dramatic and uh, very concerning was uh, a dramatic increase in emergency departments uh, presentations for self-harm. There was a dramatic increase in that as well as the kids' helpline data yeah. and that's considered by um, 
many that work in the sector and we got submissions on this that yeah. it's a lead indicator. Um, so that, driving you know, kids towards suicide. No, well, it means that, you know, when you've got these uh, emergency department presentations and yeah. you've got these these uh, kids' helpline figures that are rocketing up, yeah. that um, that's a lead indicator that what, what but more bad news is coming, right? Yeah. And we need to intervene somehow. So um, this means that uh, with this lags you guys are talking about, we're not going to see the, the, the no. manifestation of this until uh, 2022 sometime. Or, or more. Or more, okay. Yeah. This is difficult because what we're doing now with lockdowns, we're, we're getting daily updates on the news on whether the lockdown's working or not. 30 cases, 40 cases, 10 cases, but we're not getting any reports on this. No, well, they've got this, this such a narrow focus on the, their, their KPI, you know, and I've said it many times. It's understandable if you get a, a, a public health official and you say to them, right, this is your KPIs to get the, the results down, get the, the number of transmissions down and the number of cases down, and that's all they focus on and they've got absolute power to do that, um, that that's what they're going to focus on. But, like, public health is not just about... COVID cases, right? Yeah. There's all these other yes. things and and the harms that are being caused by their actions are not, I don't think, um, not being properly accounted for. I mean, the um, one of the submissions to the inquiry, and she's spoken about it many times, Professor Gigi Foster, I'm sure you're familiar she's with great. her. She said right from the start that the... Um, you know, there's lots of harms from lockdowns, but the number one thing over the long run, like, you know, in economic terms, is going to be mental health. Right. Um, right. And she said that right from the start. She got um, pilloried in the media. She did. They tried to cancel her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she was speaking the truth, I think. Um, She's looking better with time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was brave to speak out. Like, she, she got really, really badly attacked. Um, I did a live stream with her because yeah. I thought she yeah. was... Um, very highly rational in everything that she was saying, and I was I was very concerned that she might be right, and it's looking like she was in many ways. So mm. yeah. Before people ask, yes, she has been invited. She's a friend of the show. She's just too busy to come on. All right. Uh, so back to the story of this young teenager. She. Because um, okay. I'm concerned about. I've got a five year old and a two year old. You've got teenagers. Your yours are a bit older, eleven, and you know, kind of an age. Um, I'm concerned if if our kids go that way whether I can get help for them. Because it sounds like this mum is not able to yeah. get anything. So that's, and hence why we're here today. So I was left in, well, me and and particularly the mum and the child were left in such a situation of, of despair that we, we were unable to access any help um, that I, I, with her permission, I cast a net and, um, and hence... David answered. He rang me that night. So hasn't, hasn't the mum been able to get through to any of these support services? And what have their responses been to her? Do you want the story? Sure. Give me the story. So, uh, so teenager, did I start talking about her yet? So Yeah, yeah. So you brought the mother in. And yep. Yep. So brought the mother in. We um, said go to hospital. So she went to hospital. Um, so um, she was. they said that we don't have the facilities to, to deal with you here. So um, they put her on to another mental health service who said, you're not in our zone. You need to go to um, another uh, emergency department. So she turned around, um, went there, gave them a call on the way to let her know she was coming. Um, and they basically said to her, you, 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 uh, you, very most likely be waiting for several hours. You may not even be seen. 
um, you may as well go home. So she was strongly discouraged from coming in. They did say that they'd call the next day and do an assessment over the phone. Mm. Um, Mum tells me that night was really bad. She spent the whole night with her daughter. Mm. And um, they did it. Uh, they, they ended up calling the next day and um, they actually never spoke to, um, to the child. Um, they only spoke to the mother. And uh, so the, 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 the mum was saying... Um, that she was desperate. She thinks she she thought that her daughter needed admission, mm. and um, and they said, look, we don't have the capa- the capacity to see her. We're we're extremely overrun, which you know is the message that we're getting. Um, and so some of the, so so mum kept pleading as a desperate mum does, and these are some of the the things that were said to her. And these are quotes: um, "This is not a resort." She's got the tools now. She needs to use them. Wait, so a mental, a a, a medical professional or a hospital, a mental health so, mental health assessment. Mental health services. health assessment services said to the mum, "This is not a resort." Because mum was was desperately pleading for admission. Okay. She's got her own tools. She needs to use them. Yep. What What else? What does that mean? Um, I suppose self soothing. Uh, sort of tools. Sort it out. Yeah, sort it out. Go on, look after yourself. Mm. Uh, may as well self-harm at home and come in only if she's going to suicide. Is that a quote? That's a quote. That's what I'm reading. I'm she, reading. She may as well self-harm at home. At home. And then come in when she's about to commit suicide. And they also suggested to her that they see me um, and to sedate her, so to give her some um, medication that will um, that will calm her down. So, which is something that I'm not prepared to do. So, medicating teens with psychoactive substances is a completely different ball game to medicating adults, yeah. and which is why I'm trying to seek help here sure. from the, in the first place. Sure. So, um, she. She, mum, desperately tried to call around that day. She's, you know, in absolute um, um, despair. Uh, rang around trying to find a retreat to get her daughter in, um, and then um, she contacted her, wrote an email to her, her MP. Her friend contacted contacted you, um, and I heard your name, so I I said I'm going to cast a net. Um, do you mind? And she said go for it. And David got back to me that night. Okay. And um, have you tried contacting the health department or the the, the health minister? Have they? No, no, I haven't. So I, I'll I'll tell you. So that was so that was Thursday, where um, you know where this is now one week later, and um, I have literally still been on the phone every day dealing with this situation. Mm. Why does it fall to you, a GP? You're not a mental health specialist. Why is it falling to you? To... Because there's no one else. There is absolutely no one else. And I'm, I'm quite a resourceful doctor. Um, I know where to look and I still cannot access anyone. Hmm. So You're scaring me here. Well, do you, want, do you want to hear the rest of the story? Sure. So what mum ended up doing is uh, driving back to the first emergency department. Um, they eventually did see her and gave her some sedation. Yeah. Unfortunately, she had a paradoxical reaction. Hence, what you've been saying is normal just, in teen. Well, exactly. Yeah. Hence, hence my well, resistance. For the for the audience, though, what does paradoxical reaction? The paradoxical really mean? is the is the opposite effect of what you're after. So rather than calming her down, she actually became quite labile in mood. So right. it, it worsened the situation, mm-hmm. which is 
you know, a possibility in teens mm. using psychoactive sub- substances. Mm. So, um, so again, I uh, I said, okay, I'll try and get advice. See if there's anything that that anyone can that that is more um, qualified to to do to to advise me on 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 what I can do before you get to see someone. Um, I made several phone calls. No, I kept bouncing from one uh, mental health service to the other. Um, meanwhile, I get a text from from the patient's mum and saying, we're out in the country, I don't know what to do. We're, I'm driving her around just to keep her alive. And um, so eventually one of the phone calls that comes back to me says... Um, uh, that I try uh, one of the other hospitals that she she tried to uh, access um, the week before. So I rang them. Uh, they said we can't look after her. She's too acute. She needs to go to emergency department. So where we started the story. Full circle. Yeah. So by which time, yesterday, I rang a friend who's an adult psychiatrist, and I said, "What do I do? I, I don't know what to do." Yeah. And. She gave me a few numbers and ideas, which I tried, and again, to no avail. And so the advice eventually was get her in an ambulance and send her to hospital. What would happen then? Um, then you considered to be, I suppose, more acute and uh, okay. and then, okay. then you, you're more likely then to get attention. seen, attention, yeah. yep. And there's others waiting in the queue as well. It may have sold it for this girl, but there's other people who have now been bumped. This is crazy. Okay. Um, what do you... Oh, this is unbelievable. I was told that there is a mental health... A Royal Commission into Mental Health with much fanfare. Dan Andrews said he's going to adopt it all, right? Did he say he's going to adopt it all? Mm, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So he called on that Royal Commission, didn't he? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he was supportive of it. Yep. Yeah, okay. So good. Good Dan Andrews, right? So Dan Andrews calls the Royal Commission. He, he accepts all of its recommendations. He's going to mm-hmm. implement them. Mm-hmm. So, what's the problem? Like the, the reason at the, the beginning, we heard James Molino, his acting premier deputy, saying, "We've poured all this money in. Like what? I'm sorry to well, sound callous, just, but what more do you want from these guys? They're, the money's just starting to to come in. So they've just gone through the budget process and they've allocated huge amounts of funding to to mental health. So it's going to be fixed." Well, there's two things here. One's treating the symptoms, which the mental health problems are the symptoms, but then the other problem that we're seeing that we're talking about is the root cause, which is the lockdowns the lockdown. and, the, and the emergency responses to COVID, which is causing a lot of these issues. So I think the Mental Health Royal Commission, uh, you know, was called because uh, there was already problems in the system. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yeah, yeah. pre-COVID. There was already problems. There was already... Uh, capacity issues and all, lots of issues that they went into great detail and identified. But COVID has exacerbated this to the point where it's just unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like it, in not just children and adults, like the mental health issues that, you know, I've been seeing come into my office. I assume that GPs, I mean, you must talk to a lot of GPs and they probably tell you the same so sort of story. So a GP right? in my area, um, apparently she said to me, um, apparently she said that uh, most of what she does now is mental health. So. Yeah, and 
Are you yeah. aware of the the funding thing changes and all that? Would this fix it if you get a whole lot more money, as Dan Andrews is promising? Um, so I've, I've had a look at the Royal Commission um, at the recommendations. There's 65 in all. Yeah. And um, I think in theory they're, they're great. Yes, I think if, if it's implemented and yeah. implemented in a timely manner, yeah. then, then they actually would. Um, but that was February and we're in August, August. now. Has and anything happened? Well, I can tell you that every mental health professional I've spoken to in the last week yeah. uh, could not have been aware of, of much of what was going on in that, uh, what's been recommended, because um, because no one had any answers for me. Oh, really? Well, that's a good point, because I'm trying to say, hang on, he's fixed it back in February, or he's, he's going to be fixing it. But on the ground, you're telling me the, re yeah. the situation is dire. Dire. Well, this is a long-term thing that they're talking about as well. They're talking about, you know, total reconfiguration of everything and, uh, you know, massive amounts of new services, but it's not the sort of thing that they're going to be able to just snap their fingers and and uh, implement immediately. It's going to be mm. a very long-term thing that they, that they undertake. Um, but again... You know, we we know the root cause of a lot of these issues already. You keep saying that, right? Yes. Which means you want to stop the lockdowns. Are you of the same opinion? I don't think I can answer that question. Whether you want the lockdowns to stop or not? Yeah. Why not? Um, I have an opinion, but I actually can't really express them freely. I think maybe had you asked me that, you know, in another time, another place, um, I would have loved to have had a discussion here. Is this um, an APRA issue, your regulator? Yep. Well, they don't want you talking about lockdowns? Well, uh, they've, they're, they're, they have a position statement and, um, and I carry it with me wherever I go because it's something that I need to do in my practice and um, or need to, to use in my practice and... Um, and the position statement is, can I read it to you? Yeah. Okay. Because all, all I'm asking is whether you, he's saying end the lockdowns. Then I turn to you and say, doctor, what do you think of these lockdowns? And you say, I can't speak. Well, I suppose the logical conclude. So, you know, I, I spoke about um, the, the kids helpline data yeah. and that, um, it, you know, it's in line with time in lockdown. So I suppose the logical uh, argument from that is, is, well, you know, End lockdowns. Yeah. Um, to fix. But, but to, you can't say that. But I can't say that. Because why? Well, if you take that a step further, um, it, you know, I it, it becomes uh, I, I can't really talk about that without uh, talking about a whole host of other um, issues with lockdown, including um, injections, mask wearing, social distancing mandates, and I'll read to you. Uh, what the uh, position statement is. From who, APRA? From APRA. Okay. Okay, so national boards expect all health pr practitioners to use their professional judgment and the best available evidence in practice. This includes when providing information to the public and public health issues such as COVID-19 vaccination. When advocating for community and population health, health practitioners must also use their expertise and influence to protect and advance the health and well-being of individuals, as well as the communities and broader populations. Any promotion of anti-vaccination statements or health advice which contradicts the best available scientific evidence 
or seeks to actively undermine the national immunisation campaign, including via social media, is not supported by national boards and may be in breach of the codes of conduct and subject to investigation and possible regulatory action. So you can't say, in the middle of that statement there, you can't say anything that goes against the the um, prescribed health advice from... For COVID-19 and vaccination. Yeah, but that, that line, that health advice is coming from a political... Pla- it's coming from a government. It's not coming... That's, that's correct. So... APRA is submitting itself to the line from where Liberal, Labor, Gladys, Dan Andrews. That's where I'm that's at. That's ridiculous. That's where I'm at. That's where we're all at. So it's all doctors can't really speak out against lockdowns. Yeah, well, you can. Well, okay. Well, yeah. Let me ask this question. Let's say you, let's say you were able to say let's end the lockdowns because of all these harms it's causing. What about our our health? What about case numbers? What about deaths? What about COVID? It, all right, the lockdowns is one thing, but I mean, at the very least, we can get the kids back to school. Like, uh, like. I've questioned this right from the start. Like, there's almost no, uh, like, the parents, the way that they drop off the kids now, they don't interact with other parents. They drop, like, they mm. pull up with their car, they open mm. up. So the only interaction is going to be between the kids themselves. Mm. Schools have got pretty good protocols on, you know, hygiene and that sort of thing now. Um, it, it just blows my mind right that right from the start they've said, you know, the kids have never been in danger at schools. We're, we're shutting down the schools to reduce movement in the community. And I, I've always had deep concerns about the moral calculations that they've done there by, you know, sacrificing children's welfare. And that, that's exactly what they're doing in order to prevent the wider community being exposed to this disease. Now, there's, of course, there's risks with movement within the community, but there's risks with Clearly, with locking kids at home for such uh, long periods, repeatedly, over and over and over again, um, with you know no end in sight as far as we can tell at the moment. I mean, it's no wonder that people feel despair at what's happening because they they just there's no hope. They've lost hope. So, I mean, if I were to ask you both, what shall we do from here? How do we fix this? You would say open the schools. I think immediately, yes, we need to open the schools, like get the kids back in school as soon as possible. And if I were to ask you, Dr. Bosak, what should we do? Are you even able to tell me? Well, let, let's, you know, for, for all, the, all the things that I can't speak about, my recommendation is that, uh, is that we have uh, open debate with the relevant uh, science, scientists and health professionals uh, involved um, who... Who I think the ones who have probably uh, have got the most to say um, have already been censored, so they might be hard to find. Um, but because uh, at the moment it seems to be that uh, anyone who 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 speaks out um, against uh, against the, this this line of of uh, policy is is shut down. So um, open debate. That's open debate is is what we need. Open discussion uh, from from many parties, many professionals, many scientists. Um, this is incredible to me that the cat's got your tongue and that cat is APRA. I, we, we can, once we turn the cameras off, can we have an open discussion or does that not even matter? Well, we're not in a therapeutic relationship, so... So we could. So we could, yeah. You just can't say to any of these patients who so come to you struggling, you can't. I, so I, I can't um, have, yeah, so I, I basically have to be in line with, with um, the government line, with the, uh, the national and local... Um, health policies. 
That's been dictated okay. to me. Whoa. What, what a show. Thanks for coming in and telling me how terrible it all is. And what, 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 what can you close this out here? What are we going to do? You say open the schools. Is there anything we can practically do to, to get this debate going? To get the government to see the lockdowns? Because in that video we started the show with, Melina was very, they all are, but he was very allergic to talking about these harms. I think all along they haven't been wanting to talk about these harms because the moral calculations that they've been presenting is if... We don't prevent the spread of the disease. Uh, lots of people are going to die. You know, grandma's going to die sort of thing, right? They've been talking about that all along. And any sort of discussion around the harms of their actions and the possibility that the harms of their actions might outweigh uh, the, the, the benefits of their actions uh, all of a sudden puts them in a very, very bad place. So they're sort of dug into this mm. position now where they sort of you know, the harms, like the harms, they sort of, you know, they must talk about the harms and then they throw these things, they, they call them packages. They love calling them packages, you know. They, yeah, just, they yeah, throw money yeah, at it where yeah. they're really just expanding the public service. But, yeah. you know, I think the ultimate thing that the government needs to do, I think, is provide some hope for a start. Like, what's the, how are we going to get out of this, right? And there's been some talk about that. I've spoken with you about um, you know, our, yeah. our thoughts on that, yeah. about Freedom Day, like, you know, let's pick a date and where yeah. we end it all. Um, they can't do that, you know, because as soon as they give a goalpost then to be held to, you, they keep moving it all the time. So yeah. I understand why they're avoiding that. Yeah, well, I'm not avoiding it. I think that uh, sooner or later we have to decide to, you know, are we going to, uh, you know, are we living in a, a democratic and free society really. or are we going to go into this sort of, you know, endless dystopia, which they seem to be intent on heading towards and, you know, it's people like us that need to speak out against us and say, look, eventually we need to open up and, and, and do what we need to do. Now, you know, when that when that is, you know, we can argue about the date or whatever. It's but gotta be done. I think it's gonna even it's gonna start looking even more ridiculous when we look at the rest of the world and the rest of the world is starting to open up and um you People know, don't realise this. Just so you know, Australians only get the Daily Mail and the A B C and the yeah. Age. But you Concerts, talk to people LA, overseas. New York, yeah, they're, they're open. Yeah, you talk Ten to people overseas and you show them news reports from open, Australia open. and they're like, oh my God, like, your country's insane. Like, yeah. they look at us and they just go, wow, this is insane. Like, they, you know, they we're, just don't. We're being laughed at. Yeah. Well, we yeah, have some people laughing at us. And look, they can't, they can't censor that sort of external view, but. You know, from the start, they've always had this thing, look at how wonderful we're managing this and look at how wonderful it all is. Yeah. But really, they've just been kicking the can down the road. And now it's time to, what do they, pay the piper. Time to pay the piper. Yeah, well, eventually Here you've got is. to face the facts. And Here's the bill. Yeah. One thing that I've always said when, uh, when you need to look at things is scoreboard. <laughs> scoreboard. In what sense? Scoreboard. Um, Deaths? What, what are you talking just, about? exactly what we're talking about in, in a lot of different respects is yeah. scoreboard. Is this working out? Is this working out? Look around. Is this working out? It's slowly starting to look less and less like Australia's working out. Hmm. So what we're saying. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Carolyn Bosick for coming in. David, as always, for coming in. Uh, to sum this up, could we agree on what we're asking for is let the experts have an open discussion? Open discussion. And open the damn schools. Yes. All right. Open the damn schools and let the experts talk. That's it. That's all we're asking for. That's not much to ask. They're, yeah. they're not going to do it. Well, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>